0: Hello and
1: welcome to episode 135 of the Win Six Podcast, official podcast of behindbookpass.com. I'm your host, site expert, Adam McGee. And joining me as usual is contributor on site, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. Loud. Um we're we're back earlier than usual. As we promised. We've been a lot of podcasts recently, and that's probably gonna continue. Uh, But we're back earlier than usual on Free Agency Eve, the most anticlimactic day of the year for books fans in 2017. Make no mistake about it. We're here to talk through all of the nothingness that is going to be Milwaukee Books Free Agency in 2017. We're here to make sure that those of you who who have your hopes up, who maybe see a bright, sunny, exciting few days ahead for you, that. it's gonna be none of that, it's gonna be probably pretty grim Let's and dull.
0: will be dashed by the end of this podcast, <laughs> as Ty put uh, yesterday. Any casual fan that knows a basketball player that is available, or what was I'm butchering the tweet?
1: You really, you really butchered it. It was basically books fans shouldn't expect, or casual books fans shouldn't expect a team to sign anyone whose name they've heard before this summer, yes. Unless it's like
0: a random player that... Unless it's it's Jason
1: Terry, effectively, or some other Jason Terry proxy, some name that everyone knew and their first reaction is... He still plays? The only place to start off with this is Tony Snell, because Tony Snell is the big domino to fall in free agency, not just the books free agency, free agency overall. Not really. But... Tony Snell is the big prize for the books. Um, he is what they're here for. They have reportedly extended the qualifying offer to him. He is now a restricted free agent. And now it's all a matter of how much will Tony Snell cost? There have been various reports from a lot of different people talking about the books feel confident to be back. Um, Jordan Schultz kind of freelances a whole bunch of places. He tweeted today, something along the lines of the Bucks feel they have to re-sign Tony Snell, which certainly set alarm bells ringing in my head. How are you feeling about Tony Snell's free agency now that we're almost here? Um, The answer has to be incredibly nervous.
0: Well, I'm a c- cool cucumber. You know, that's not, that's so- not true. Not true. Just call me. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. I, I I am nervous. I have... I, I've been pondering a question for some time now. And I think with this recent tweet from Mr. Schultz, I think a lot of people uh from gauging twitter i guess that that might not be that's our only way to go by it and it might be not the most reliable way to do it but i feel like a lot of the worry about extending snell to any you know contract worth eight digits per year we're talking about 10 million plus people um I think people are just worried that it's going to be another plumly situation where they outbid themselves, kind of say, oh, yeah, there's suitors, but then it, you know, it's <laughs> it basically you're you're going to be paying an extravagant price for a fine role player. But, again, you know, we've seen the Bucks uh, miss quite a lot when it comes to players of that ilk. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just feel like... I, I'm not te- necessarily nervous about the outcome because I, I do feel like he's not going anywhere, uh, and and but I do share the the kind of worry what that price is. Even though I do believe it will be no more than four years, forty-four million.
1: I, the thing I think there's two things I want to say on this. First of all, for anyone who is kind of. Approaching the next few days with an air of trepidation, you should thank the luxury tax because the luxury tax might be the thing that saves the books from themselves in this scenario. If someone did get really reckless, offers Tony Snell four years 60 million. Um, the books are looking at paying a lot more than four years 60 million for something that isn't feasible. And that might be the check that's in place that wasn't there last year when Miles Plumley's situation came around. Second thing I'll say, my gut feeling is that this will be exactly like Miles Plumley. Don't panic yet. That this will be exactly like Chris Middleton, too. The book's way of dealing with restricted free agents has tend to be let's get a deal done. Not so early in Plumlee's case, but they they weren't waiting.
0: Neither Henson.
1: Well, Henson was an extension.
0: Uh, yeah, but Henson was I extension. think the,
1: Mid- Middleton.
0: like the only exception to the rule, though.
1: Well, I mean, they weren't waiting. It was early with Plumlee. It was earlier than they had to because they had received no... He had received no offer sheets. So just because it wasn't like 12.01 on July 1st doesn't mean it wasn't an early deal. It was an early deal because they did it much earlier than they had to. They could have waited another month, Plumlee's got no offers, and all of a sudden Plumlee agrees to three years, 15 million.
0: Barlestein be bartering at this agent. I guess basically this comes down to if Tony Snell has a uh, a toothbrush holder bobblehead <laughs> designed after him, he's going to be jettisoned to Charlotte. <laughs>
1: it, it comes down to I think if Tony Snell wants to come back maybe they do a deal like he's getting paid. I don't, I'm not suggesting it's going to be a bargain, but maybe they do a deal that could potentially save the books a couple of million and they do it quickly, which could be Jordan's four year, 44 million. Um, like Woj had reported that he expects offers to get up to 13 million range for Snell. That, that's not going to be a surprise for me if it does. Snell might just say, okay, four years, 44 million and I'll stay in this place that is, very, very pleasant to play in compared to where I was for the rest of my career up until this point. That could happen, and I... Like, we should be a restricted free agent and someone who are supposedly interest from other quarters around the league, although well, maybe we'll talk about that. I'm skeptical about that too. Um, we should be kind of preparing for, you know, tens few days, waiting on an offer sheet, then waiting to see if the books match and you've got your, your three days or whatever it is between, between the offer sheet being signed and the books having to match, I don't think we're going to get to that. I think it's going to be done a lot quicker. I, I just feel like that's how the books like to do business. And I think in this case, that might be how they do business because they've reached this point without doing any other dealing to free up some space if they want to explore any other options of doing anything else of note in free agency, I mean, they've left it pretty late now, so you're going to have to tie up Tony Snell and then worry about the rest of it, which isn't easy because even, like, John Horse in radio interviews in recent days has been mentioning, like, they want cap flexibility is one of the things they want going forward.
0: He mentioned three flexibilities. It was something like assets, as in, like, draft picks, cap roster and bucks really only have maybe can really realistically at this point do one of them
1: well one of the quotes he talked about like he wanted kind of main kind of core talent and he he said he felt that was in place he listed a there were quite a few things as you say but the one that absolutely wasn't there was roster or was cap flexibility Mm. and like if he's going to talking about that maybe he's going to explore that but i just don't know how that gets done Uh, teams aren't looking to take on a terrible contract in the opening hours of free agency they'll do that a month later if they don't get what they need and you know that deal's still there so the books are in a tough place are you buying that there's real interest in Snell from elsewhere not saying that other teams won't think he's a good player but that the price might already be scaring others off. And I'm not sure what teams really need Snell to the point they go out and pay from. I think the Timberwolves would have been a logical fit for so many reasons. We've seen that Tibbs loves just reconnecting with all his former Bulls. But that's not going to be on their priority list now with Wiggins and Butler.
0: Yeah, I think this is what is kind of, the most interesting part of this free agency to me at least is that you see what happened last year. And a lot of the contracts that were signed were frankly uh, abysmal. (laughs) I mean, we've gotten to the point where a year later, some of these contracts aren't even tradable. And it's not even just with injury guys like, you know, Chandler Parsons. It's like these, these some of these contracts are already sunk costs. Uh, like, you could, see, we saw them sink by the day this season, really.
1: Well, Mozgov, the Lakers had to bundle a second overall pick at the shot Russell to move Mozgov's deal.
0: Exactly. And a lot of the – I mean, a lot of the – everybody had cap space last summer. I mean, there was, like, over a billion dollar cap space in collectively. It's not the same this year. And I think a lot of the teams that do have a lot of cap space, like, like Brooklyn – Sacramento, Denver, I'm um, forgetting another team. Uh, sixers,
1: sixers have cup, Swiss.
0: Sixers, yeah. They're not on the timeline of – it's just – It's. I don't know. It's such a weird
1: – I also think those teams, though, they're more so than you would have seen in years past those teams with cap space realize that they have a lot to offer and they're going to take bigger swings than you'd associate with kind of ground floor rebuilding teams in the past. Yeah, exactly. And they will, maybe we will have more kind of superstar trades. Like we've had a lot of recently where teams are just looking to get off some of their older guys. And these teams over here with cap space, something promising building might say, okay, well, if we get that proven guy, put it with the young stuff, maybe something good comes out of it. I think there's more room for that. Unfortunately for the books, they're not really in either of those categories. They don't have the cap space. They don't have an older proven guy who, you know, even if his contract is something you want to get off, rebuilding teams are going to be desperate to take him. I think that's that's part yeah. of the challenge. The books would be better with a you know, like a Carmelo Anthony. You know what I mean? I th- I think it's even funny now. Just the way the league has changed. If you think back, remember Kobe's last deal and the way like that yeah. was just viewed as, well, who would want that? I mean, now that would be tradable to one of those kind of oh, yeah. up-and-coming teams. They'd be like, oh, we can have Kobe Bryant for whatever, one, two years as we go. No problem, we'll take that. The books just don't have any kind of really appealing asset I mean you can probably convince teams onto almost any player on the roster I don't think they have anyone who's just untradeable but they don't have a whole bunch of guys who you're going to be saying well teams are going to be queuing up trying to get that player this summer
0: yeah it's tough and I just think a lot of the teams that are you know like a team like Denver they're such an interesting spot where they're kind of like where the Bucks were two years ago, you know. Knowing they, I guess you comparing Giannis then to Jokic now is you give. Uh, I think the Jokic only the the only hand. part of
1: that the only part of that I dispute is that they have like infinite amount of players on rookie contracts still, with lots of potential. Like they can do so much. Uh,
0: Jalen. <laughs> Yeah. Um,
1: the Nuggets have first-round picks basically in roles yeah. equivalent to what the books were looking at. Johnny O'Brien and
0: Damian Inglis. That's Karnasova's guy. He was right. He, <laughs> he was right. Anyway, um, that's an old wound. Uh, but I, th- I think ultimately, I think a lot of teams are going to have buyer beware because, I, I don't know. A lot of things that already happened before free agency – uh, I, I think the trademark is probably going to be. That's what. That's always like the, the key thing about free agency. I think the trade market, as it's already shown, I think it will continue to get more uh, bananas. But I think a lot. I think it will it
1: will keep going though. Like I I always I think it history generally shows it to be the case, and I'd always lean on. It's probably done now for at least ten days.
0: Hmm. I don't know.
1: I mean, obviously, there's big chips that could fall. Paul George, most notably. um, And something like that, like we saw with the Chris Paul trade. Like, all you need is one team and one big asset. Well, that sets off a flurry of smaller trades around the league where everyone is all of a sudden looking to do something, to get involved in something small. That could lead to something bigger. And, I mean, the Rockets are still just piling up these non-guaranteed contracts. Even today, they're still looking for guys for that maybe something like that can spill over but i'm inclined to think we're gonna quiet down a little bit
0: well i don't i don't think it i'm not necessarily saying it's superstar trades but i think there will be still a lot of movement to some degree yeah but But,
1: but even by nature sorry jordan but even by nature like if any any of these teams want to go in for restricted free agents that's tying up their cap space for Potentially, like the, the best part of a week you can have from the process that you go in with an offer to the player accepting it to then three days expiring, the other team making the decision. Like you can easily type your cap space for a week. So you're not making trades, you're not really signing anyone else in free agency. I think that's the part of it. Things can kind of crash to a halt pretty quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, I, I just think, I don't know, there's going to be a lot of spending, obviously um but I don't know I think a lot of teams last year it's it's there's so many pitfalls that could be had for a team you know taking on a a guy that's not assuredly like his value doesn't equal the price range that is the market is being set for him kind of thing I just I don't know i I don't I don't think we have as we definitely won't have as many mistakes like in that but I think teams will be think twice about i don't know maybe i'm underestimating crazy stupid things happening but i just don't see the same uh same type of uh instant like just instant sinking as we saw last summer
1: yeah i think you're wrong because it's just like (laughs) it never fails to amaze me how many stupid people seem to make stupid decisions in the nba Uh, like it really is something to behold The last month has been a great example of uh, ownerships, front offices. Um, (laughs) Just so many people just make these really bizarre decisions that everyone else can see very quickly. What are you doing? And they do it anyway. Uh, So uh, we'll see. Who knows? Okay, so moving on from Tony Snell. The Bucks have two other potentially outgoing free agents this summer. Michael Beasley, Jason Terry. I feel we're in, in agreement on this that the Bucks will probably look to bring Jet back, but Michael Beasley's time is over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Between a combination of what do you likely cost, uh logjam in the front court.
0: And also ruining part of my brand. Yeah, it just
1: it just looks like Michael Beasley's time is up. Uh, Jason Terry will be a Vet Min guy unless something incredibly bizarre happens. Jet Min. Yeah, he could be Jet Min. And with that, the books will effectively have the option to bring him back if they choose. Where this leaves the books, though, is that's two guys going out if indeed Tony Snell returns. And you've got DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown to officially sign. You've got Bronson Kane. you got one of your two-way deals already. They're not really dealing even with roster spots here. So things are things are that tight. My feeling is they're still going to make an effort to do some deals um, in terms of operating below luxury tax like in the here and now. If they were to do that, they're looking at vet min deals. They do have... A trade exception for the Roy Hibbert deal. They do have their mid-level exception, and their what's the other exception they have? Jordan? Biannual. They're biannual. If the they day. if they choose to use either of those, um, which would give them, I guess, some flexibility to go for a slightly higher profile player. But what's important to note is, in using either of those, the books would be going over the tax mark and then they'd be facing the rest of the season in need of a trade to get below the tax. Uh, that trade could potentially happen like this day next year. It would just have to be before the end of the league year, to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the spot the books would be in. They'd be over, operating over the tax throughout the season, looking to cut at the last minute before the tax becomes official. With that, the list of guys they're likely going to consider is going to be pretty unglamorous. I kind of picked out some players who might just fit this bill uh, on site earlier today as we record this. and They'll still be there for you by the time you get round to listening if you want to check it out. I looked at 20 realistic free agent options for the books. Jordan and I are going to pick out some of the guys we like, and I think all of them are basically in this list. What would you put down, Jordan, as the biggest area of need for the books? With so little room to work with, with question marks over, you know, how they'd make the the spots on the roster, what would you be prioritizing in free agency if you were John Horst?
0: Well, as we talked uh, during the draft, I would uh, first and foremost look at any guards available, I like, as we again, we talked about this many, many times. Still think they could use a guy that could, you know, create his own shot. Solid shooter, of course, capable defender. Um, and, you know, to lighten the load for both Brogdon and Del Vidova. I, I, at this point in the NBA, it's, I mean, being thin at any position is not a <laughs> ideal scenario, but I think. More so with, you know, point guards now. You need as many capable ball handlers as you can. Um, and, look, we talked about with durability issues with Delhi. I think the same could be said for Brogdon. We saw a little bit of a lag at times. Of course, he had a great season, a rookie of the year winning season. Uh to celebrate that. But, um, yeah, I, I would prioritize looking for any type of guard that can help them and is of course affordable in their price range.
1: I think my two things would be a point guard, absolutely. I think if they could get someone who offers something a little bit different, that would be great. But that might be a stretch considering what they'll have to work with. At the very least, though, you'd like another provision. <laughs> you'd like another proven point guard in the rotation, just as insurance for injuries as much as anything else. Outside of that, I would still like some sort of combo forward. Now, Sterling Brown could give you meaningful minutes there. That's definitely an option. They just had nothing at shooting guard last year, and I think particularly with Jabari injured for an early part of the season, they need to be they need to be careful that they're not just relying on Middleton and Snell. And if either of those gets injured, you're then asking a second round rookie to keep your season afloat as a starter or even worse asking Rashad Vaughn to keep your season of foot as a starter. Like, I think there are things they need to be wary of. For me, if you could get...
0: Or Gary, Payton, do.
1: If you could get one of each of those things, I think that would be perfect. But it would involve some decisions and moving some guys on and possibly trades where you're sending out more players and you're taking back. Um... It, it is when you're right here in the eve of when you look at, say, the report that Sean of Sporting News put out the other day where he mentioned that they were going to consider trade offers for Jabari around the deadline as a way that they could also move some of their more expensive contracts. That's very understandable right now because... Not only do they still have those expensive contracts and no room to do anything facing up to Jabari's extension, it it gives its own challenges for the books. Let's get into some of these names, though. Let's get into some of these cheap, low-level, high-value contracts that are going to bring cheer to our summer when John Horst figures out a way to actually get them on the roster. Who would be your picks, Jordan? If you were to narrow it down to a few guys you'd be targeting, who would they be?
0: This is uh, a name on your list of 20 realistic free agency options. And I believe when we're doing this uh, last year, he was a name that came up for us. Correct. Uh, so uh, <laughs> this is no surprise. Langston Galloway. I continue to cape for the man known as Langston. Uh, had a play with uh, New Orleans for the first half of the season. I went to Sacramento, do the Marcus Cousins trade. Good shooter, not the greatest. Uh, uh, I would say playmaker. He's more of like a spot-up shooter type guy, but can create his own, you know, opportunities. Um, solid defender. Little undersized, but again, when you're uh, concerns about size and stuff like that, isn't he's possible. long though? He has really. a long wingspan but he's like only like six, two kind of undersized in that sentence, I should say. Um, but as I was saying, like it, it, stuff like that doesn't really matter to me because already, you know, half of the roster, the Bucks have, you know, length on length, basically. And they've already shown that a guy like Jason Terry, even as a, at, at his advanced stage, if they know where to go, positioning is all that's key, really key. Um, especially in, within the Bucks defensive scheme. Anyway, just think, He's kind of a guy. He turned out his player option um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, kind of a prudent move for him to make, concerning his qualifying offer was higher than his his option. Surprisingly, um, Kings have between you know their shuffling of the backcourt. Basically, they're they're pretty stocked at shooting guard options. Um, so I don't think a return is in the cards for him to Sacramento. I think he's one of these guys that because of the cap explosion last year his deal was really affordable and he honestly could have probably made more than when he did last year basically i think he's one of those guys that can is going to be as you said before diving the rough type guys that kind of overlooked that's where the bucks can really come in and swipe a guy of his value and he, he's pretty relatively young despite being undrafted he's still 25 There still can be a little untapped potential in some uh you know role-playing capacity i think it would suit the bucks very well
1: yeah i I agree completely i think it's just a question of whether like if anyone's interested you probably can't afford them (laughs) or even if you can you're going to be really under pressure like if if he's getting your biannual or uh, your mid-level which would probably be an overpay you're then up against it to get under to get under the tax so He's definitely a guy... I, I think he's a slightly better... I, the way I, I described him in that piece was... he like he's not. A, you put him as a good shooter, not a great playmaker. I'd argue he's not a great shooter, not a great playmaker. Uh, he, he's just kind of very average to above average in every way. He's very solid, which is fine. You're not looking for him to be one of your key starting pieces. You're looking for him to be a valuable rotation piece. And I don't think he'll let you down. As a shooter, he can play make a little. Uh, he's a very kind of engaged defender. I, I think all around, he's just going to be very solid without necessarily excelling in any one area. And I don't think that should be seen as a knock when you're looking for the kind yeah. of end of end of roster, end of rotation pieces the books are. That's really ideal. Like Again, I'm not just looking to take cheap shots at that other shooting guard on the roster. But like that's what the books have been crying out for is just solid guys. You don't need them to do anything, but you want your second unit to be able to stay together and to actually function really well. If, if say Yanis is staggered with it, or Middleton or Jabari and he's healthy, that the other guys there are just competent enough that you can actually kick on with that group. Still. I think that's a concern for the books and someone like him without excelling, you're not going to go, Oh, wow. He's a, like a 35% career 3 point shooter or 36, whatever he is actually at, you're not going to go, wow, that's great. He's going to shoot the lights out. But he will actually make some trees. He will be able to make smart passes. He'll have some assists and he'll defend pretty capably, whether it's at the one or the two. So I, I think. I would, de-
0: I would describe him um, as a, if you turn down the settings of like black hole, Jared Bayless. I would describe him as that where he's more of like a team-oriented Jared Bayless who, will if you you know, kind of connect with him like, create opportunities for him. He's not gonna go crazy with you know, play forty-seven minutes in a game and shooting whatever it was. Even though again, I was a pro Bayless backer.
1: I think he's like Jared Bayless if you give him Tony Snell's attitude, is the way I'd put it or Tony Snell's approach yeah. to the game. I, like I think Galway's a better defender than Bayless. And he's not just going to go looking for that volume. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. He can give you a bit of what Bayless did in terms of steadying the second unit at times, the starting group when Jar was in Milwaukee. A player kind of of a similar mold, a little bit more experienced, but still surprisingly young for how long he's been around the league that I'm going to throw in here. And I don't think it's the first time I've put him into this mix either. Um, he may have came up even if it was as a trade target. At some point, I've definitely written about it. We might have talked about it on the podcast. And I'm talking about 27-year-old Shelvin Mack, most recently of the Utah Jazz, previously of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Mack has spent his last four to five seasons as just a very solid, again, capable backup. He's not the best three-point shooter, but he can make trees um my favorite thing about Sheldon mac has always been he has he's a really good knack for being able to create and create efficiently he's good at guarding against turnovers which again is something you'd like to have in your second unit point guard particularly if you're staggering with guys the books have if you have talented offensive guys out there you just want a point guard who's not going to cost them opportunities to score i think mac very much fits that build um He's someone who, although he's not going to kind of jump out and you're going to say, wow, he's really, really impressive. Uh, Something I noted in that piece was over the last three seasons, so between his time with the the Hawks and the Jazz, playoff teams and good playoff teams, I mean, two of those teams, did the Jazz get – how many wins did Jazz finish on last year?
0: It was right below 50. I think it was like 48.
1: 48 which would have been similar to the Hawks the year before, the Hawks before that when Mac was on them, 60 wins. Like, he's been on really good teams as a backup, and across those three years, he's even started 47 games. So he's a guy who you wouldn't think of as...
0: 51, I'm sorry, it was 51. Okay. past passed that threshold.
1: Uh, he's someone who you wouldn't necessarily think could even plug into the starting lineup in times of need as such. But it's, again, He just by being reliable, he's shown that he's able to do that. That's kind of the perfect backup. Someone who you can kind of just steadily give whatever minutes. He'll plug in. He won't hurt you. And then if you need him, he'll do the same in your starting lineup. He's not going to help you. He's not going to put you over the edge. But he's just going to be a calming presence, someone who's pretty reliable. As I said, only 27. He's still relatively young as well. With... The Jazz's aspirations, and with the way they're kind of uh, their various contract concerns of themselves and free agency concerns, I don't think he's going to end up back in Utah. He could be someone who's available pretty cheap. Any other kind of point guards that you like or think of? Um, I mean, a lot of the other guys, I think you're looking older guys, and I don't. Maybe it's just me. I'm not particularly a big fan of, say, for example. Bringing Jose Calderon in—that's not. Yeah,
0: that was the first. That was like the first day that came to mind. When it that's was not what, like, he, I order. mean, he still shot pretty well when he was with the Hawks late
1: in the season. But it's just like, what are you actually getting out of that? And particularly if you did look to bring Jet back, and you found a way that you also bring someone like Calderon in, I don't know. It's just not not screaming out. I'd like someone who at least has some upside. Who knows? Maybe you'll get someone relatively cheap on a two-year deal. Um, or even if it isn't, if you're just dealing one-year deals with the way the books are with their cap generally at the moment. You know, that cap situation, the more one-year deals, guys, you don't have to worry about next year. You can make your decision if you want them back and work that out then, but you're not going, okay, well, we've got to pay this guy this much for the next two years. Mm Point card's pretty (laughs) thin. I think we might have come up with two potential options, which doesn't exactly sound all that convincing for them actually playing out i'm gonna talk about wings because i think there are a few players who could kind of fit the bill that i mentioned earlier one who i think is particularly interesting to me we might have mentioned this on a recent enough podcast ty wrote about him probably a week 10 days ago was just on holiday something ty noted in his piece uh, that kind of made it jump out to me more. I'm familiar with just the whole. holidays about the Hawks, so I've seen quite a lot of them. He's probably had his best se- his best season to date with the Knicks. He was pretty good, one of the few players that came out of the Knicks season, with some sort of moments of, okay, he's got something there, just something impressive. And that was interesting because I think it was his first full season without a trade in something like two years. And he's a guy he has been traded... At least once a season, pretty much since he's come into the league. So it's interesting in a kind of stable setting what he managed to do. And what Ty noted in his piece were his numbers last year compared to Tony Snell's numbers in his last year with the Bulls eerily similar, with Holiday actually edging him out a little bit. He's the kind of guy who, I don't know, maybe even if you ended up priced out of Snell and you're looking for other ways to kind of fill out your your roster he could be someone you bring in and he manages to give you something or give you something close to that he's never quite shot like snell did last year but neither had snell really before that point um he's kind of a mid-30s guy from tree on average but a good defender relatively athletic kind of intriguing again if he's kind of an end of rotation guy that's perfect but he may also have an extra gear that just hasn't been shown yet that he could develop and be something more too, which to me makes Justin Holiday a pretty intriguing option.
0: His nickname is the Fireman. <laughs> Did you know that?
1: I didn't, but I feel like I you, fired, you looked have it up. It.
0: it was he was dubbed the fireman. This is F Gate. SF meaning San Francisco. Gate meaning the word gate com. He was dubbed the fireman by his Washington teammates because of his ability to cool off hot shooting opponents. That's a pretty good nickname.
1: That is a good nickname, particularly when you get. It's the also on basketball it.
0: reference. Have to have to put that out there. That's how I found the nickname. I like that. Again, if I have a nickname that surfaces on Basketball Reference, I immediately retire. Thanks for the
1: reminder. Um, beyond holidays, I know mean, you could think as wing players. I think there's. One other guy for me who I like, who I feel could be cheap, and then there's some others who, again, you're probably ha- – you could get them, but you're looking at your mid-level exception and then worrying about getting back down to below the tax. And the other guy I'll mention is Reggie Bullock. For whatever reason it is, I've for a long time been intrigued by Reggie Bullock. Feel like there's something there that hasn't quite been shown with either the Clippers or the Never obviously. mind the
0: Bullocks.
1: <laughs> um, he's had kind of a share of injury problems. But mostly unrelated, um, unless you can connect like a broken nose and a hip pointer in some way. So I'm not overly concerned about the reasons why he's missed games. He did he did well last year coming back from injury. His one serious injury, I guess, of all of those that would give you cause for concern was he tore his meniscus early last year. Uh, but he actually came back from that, played really well to close the season for the Pistons worth noting that he is serving whenever he's next on an nba roster has a contract he'll have a five-game ban to serve for violation of the nba's anti-drug program obviously that's not ideal um mm. but he's a guy who i shot just under 40 percent. i think it was 39.6 percent from deep last year with the pistons his best shooting season to date and um, clearly benefited from kind of playing in a Stan Van Gundy style system. But what intrigues me about him is I think he's someone who, like if you can shoot 39.6% with the lineups, he would have been playing with, with the Pistons last year, put him out there on the floor with Yanis at some time or with Chris Middleton or a healthy Jabari Parker. He's going to get more time. He's going to get more space. And I think he's really intriguing and um, great size all the physical tools to be to be a strong, competitive physical defender as well. I've just kind of been intrigued by him for quite a while. I, I think it was actually um, Jordan will like this, but I think it was Summer League when I when I first got hooked on Reggie Bullock. His rookie season, he was with the Clippers, and there was just something about him. He seemed to kind of carry himself differently to a lot of the other guys there. I've been intrigued from that point on. I think he could be someone who... You know, 26 years old, still some potential to to mine out of him. Could be worth exploring. The other guys you're then talking about, players who maybe are more more name recognition, which makes them much more unlikely to land in Milwaukee. But I guess you could look at, in terms of wings, there are some guys, if you were prepared to use your mid-level, maybe a tabo Cephalosha and Omri Caspi. Uh Shabazz Muhammad. There are there are guys you could spend on if you wanted to. Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush is probably a cheaper one as well. I think you can probably get Brandon one. Brandon Rush was three million he signed for last year. Didn't play a whole lot. A shot well from three and not very well in any other way. But I think that's what you'd be signing him for. He could be a guy, kind of a minimum candidate, who would be interesting.
0: I think there's also another guy that we kind of looked at last year.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and that deal was cheap last year. I mean, um, hindsight is twenty twenty. but if the books had gone with more Old deals times. like that last year, we wouldn't be in the spot we're in right now. What is your expectation for a books-free agency?
0: Um. Well,
1: Snell to come back, Jet to come back, Yep. that's it?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have to, I, I said this to you and I later said it on Twitter to make it official. Did you say it during I the podcast quote, on Twitter? What? Are you tweeting while podcasting again? No, I, I tweeted yesterday. Okay. It was a quote from Maya Angelou. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was
1: not. <laughs> you didn't need to explain I that, always, right? What? You didn't need to explain that it's not really a Maya Angelou quote.
0: I know. If you can't already tell, I like to make up quotes and then just attribute them to famous scholars of our generations, past generations. That's one of my bits. Anyway, um, I don't have really much expectations. Um, yeah, it's gonna be pretty uneventful. <laughs> I I think dream scenarios: you move off a contract, preferably Henson. Um. But, I mean, I feel like that's been a dream scenario for a lot of people since 2015, <laughs> shortly after he since signed the contract. Con-
1: since before the contract was signed. Actually, was yeah, before. The- um, it's really tough. I, let's be honest. It's really tough. And the books have some things to figure out. I think the way John Horse is talking, he's going to look to do some things. I just don't know. As we kind of let off with, I feel the trade period really cools off. And if you haven't made your trade already, I don't think you'll be able to make it and still have your pick of some nice options in free agency. Now, whether that's, you know, we could probably get back onto that. Maybe if he'd had uh, three weeks more in the job, he'd have had more time to actually put a trade together to clear some space. But here we are. We've made our bed and now we are going to lie in it.
0: I forgot a wing that we forgot to mention. Go for it. Mike Dunleavy.
1: And that is it for our free agency preview podcast. (laughs) We'll be back with you on, uh, we'll be back recording on Monday night for Tuesday posting. Is that what we do now? Or sooner. Who knows? Well, this is what I was going to say. That's our normal slot. If anything happens significant with the books, we'll likely be back before then. The way things are set up, though, I don't know if there will be. Unless they get an early deal done with Tony Snell, um, I don't know what else could be happening. So it's either an early deal with Tony Snell or a trade to get us back before then. But who knows? We basically do this every day to every second day now. So anything is possible. In the meantime... You can subscribe to Snitunes, follow us on SoundCloud, add us on Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at Behind the Books. We're generally pretty on top of tweeting and retweeting any news the moment it breaks. For more in depth coverage, make sure you're reading us at behindthebookpass.com. You will see God knows how many articles from me there in the next few days. Jordan may even make an appearance with the. If he can get his typewriter working, Jordan may even have a piece in on some sort of free agency event. Who knows? Either way, we'll be back to you very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Jordan.
0: Thank you.